Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.26 a.m. Central Daylight Time. This is the 24th of June, 2020. And it's also episode 255 of Bitcoin, and I am having to apologize for not cutting shows on Monday or Tuesday. Um, <laughs> let me just get into this. <clears throat> on uh, Father's Day, I was happily playing Ori and the uh, Will <clears throat> Ori and the Will of the Wisps on Xbox One with my son when my daughter and my wife came out to tell us that the air conditioner had stopped working. Yeah. I live in the panhandle of Texas and it's past, you know, mid-June. So, uh, I w- essentially I spent my father's day not playing Ori with my son, you know, and and doing father day stuff. I was dicking around with uh getting somebody out on an emergency call uh because honestly it was just low uh low coolant. But when the guy came out He's like, dude, this unit is 25 years old, man. He's like, this unit was put in the year I was born. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) It's like, oh dude, this is bad. This is really bad. And he found other, other problems. Uh, there's a uh, crack in the diaphragm of one of the valves. And he's like this, I can't even load this thing up. And if I did, R22, which is the coolant or the refrigerant used in these things is now deemed uh, illegal to manufacture by the Environmental Protection Agency of the United States. So because of that, it's a supply and demand issue. And when I used to pay $10 a pound for this stuff back in the day, it is now $220 a pound. So even if, I mean, I was hosed either way. I was either going to pay like five, possibly $600 to get this thing charged back up. Or he was going to deliver the bad news, which... You know, he did, and he's like going, you're, you're hosed. He's like, once I crack this valve, uh, I could load it up with, you know, with a pound or something like that, but it's just going to leak right back out, and you're just going to have burned 220 to $500. I'm like, I can't just, I can't deal. I can't with this. And um, now I'm on the hook for seven grand to get a, uh, a, the entire system has to be replaced the compressor outside, the air handler inside, because you can't put the new refrigerant uh, compressor, the, the compressor that takes the new refrigerant on the outside and still use the old air handler. It doesn't work that way. Both have to be replaced, and it's a $7,000 job. So happy Father's Day, okay? So what this, what this gets me into is not a bitch fest, not really. Um, the sign-off on this show is always, I'll see you on the other side. 
there's a lot of more stuff than the air conditioner going on that's been going on for the last two years that I am not getting on the other side of. And it's causing a lot of mental, <laughs> mental strife. And yesterday when I found out, or yesterday, uh, Tuesday, I sort of honestly, quite frankly and truthfully, I just broke down. I was like, I, I had rubbed the last two neurons that I had left in my little brain uh, to get the last spark that I could get to sign a sheet of paper that said, I will pay you $7,000 to fix this thing. And I was done. And Monday it was really, you know, it was bad too. And, you know, honestly, that's why, you know, that's why I didn't cut shows on Monday and Tuesday, because what I'm going through right now, it's not just, like I said, it's not just the air there's like all kinds of other stuff that goes along with it. And it's been getting me into a situation where I'm not completing the tasks that I need to complete. I'm, and therefore I'm not getting on the other side of some stuff that I need to get on the other side of. <clears throat> and I think, you know, some of this, you know, has to do with the fact that we've, all of us have been cooped up looking at, you know, basically we've been quarantined with ourselves, you know, depending on where you live in the world, it may be better or worse. You know, where we live, it's like we're not really quarantined, but, you know, for since March, we haven't really done anything. Yesterday was the first day that I took my kids to a state park to go hiking because it was the first time that we were going to be able to do that. So we've, I've been sitting literally kind of quarantined with myself, looking at all the bullshit that I haven't done that is going to get my ass in trouble. So that said, I did, that's sort of where, where I am right now. And I go on a three week vacation this Saturday and where I'm going to be is going to have, you know, fairly limited, uh, internet connectivity. So if I am cutting shows, they are going to be very short and because that's, there's no way that I can cut an hour show convert it to an MP3 and then upload it on the type of internet link that we're going to have in the mountains in Colorado. It's just, it's just not going to work. I don't like leaving you guys like that for three weeks, but I've been planning this one, you know, this vacation for, you know, I don't know, half a year, something like that. And I really need to, it's like, it's sort of the, there's a, a t-shirt that says the mountains are calling and I must go. And this has been me for ever since I was 18 years old. Uh, I have to get back to the mountains. There's something about being in the mountains that is sort of like a battery charger. Uh, so that's sort of, that's, I'm hoping I, I come back and like I will have gotten to the other side of some of these things that I really need to get to the other side of. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a shitty, shitty two days. I'll tell you that. But with all that said, now you know what's going on. I can get into the snooze that you can use. We're going to start this one with the Daily Hodel staff from the Daily Hodel. This one was written. Some of these are, are going to be a little bit older because I set up the show. I was going to do it on Monday, but it and then I was going to do another. Actually, I was going to do it yesterday, um, but I just, dude, there's no way. There's no way I was going to put my voice in your ears going through the shit that I was going through yesterday. It ain't that shit ain't right. So there you go. Here's a headline. People can now buy Bitcoin on every block through 
network of major United States retailers and 20,000 stores. Shoppers in the U.S. can now buy Bitcoin with cash, sell it for cash at convenience stores and pharmacy chains. The mainstream push is through a network of Bitcoin ATMs, cashiers, and kiosks operated by Boston-based Liberty X. It now includes 20,000 7-Eleven, CVS, and Rite Aid pharmacy stores nationwide where consumers can make BTC purchases on the go. According to the announcement, Liberty X, which launched its first Bitcoin ATM in, God, 2014, enables people to buy Bitcoin on every block at big chains and smaller merchants. Consumers who download the company store locator app are able to navigate to the nearest location to buy BTC by offering Bitcoin at a wider network of everyday stores for mainstream shoppers. The company is building critical on-ramps for users who may only be curious about the cryptocurrency and are looking for easy access at a trusted store, says Liberty X co-founder Chris Yim. Quote, Bitcoin is one of the most exciting innovations over the last decade. I'd actually say century, but whatever. But adoption has been limited by trust and accessibility. We wanted to expand our footprint so anyone can buy Bitcoin at familiar locations they drive or walk by daily. Now, everyone is only a few miles away from owning Bitcoin and becoming part of its global community. Buying Bitcoin is as easy as scanning a barcode while shopping for groceries. You know, I'm going to stop right there and just say what you should do is uh, somehow or another uh, get a voucher for uh, uh, an automatic on-ramp to Bitcoin Twitter, because wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Continuing, Liberty X also operates traditional ATMs that offer Bitcoin integration and allows consumers to buy the world's leading cryptocurrency using debit cards, adds Yim. Quote, at its core, Bitcoin is a global and inclusive technology. Anyone with a mobile phone and an internet connection can store, send, receive, and transact value with Bitcoin to that end. Liberty X is proud to offer 20,000 cash-accepting retail locations and 5,000 debit-accepting ATMs across the network. No matter your payment preference, you can conveniently purchase Bitcoin from a trusted local store. So, you know, wow, okay, that's, uh, that's good news. That, I mean, now, the question becomes, will it actually affect adoption? Well, it certainly can't hurt adoption. Unless it's a shitty service, in which case, yes, it can hurt adoption. I don't know. I have not yet seen a Liberty X uh, outlet in my area, so I cannot directly report on the efficacy of such a thing. Now, on the heels of the Liberty X news, we've got, and you've probably already heard it because this is late. This was actually on uh, June the 22nd. It is written by Ian Allison for Coindesk, PayPal Venmo to roll out crypto buying and selling. Say sources. Yeah. First they fight you. Well, first they laugh at you, I guess. And then they fight you. And, and then they uh, figure out that they've been wasting their damn time. Fintech giant PayPal plans to roll out direct sales of cryptocurrency to 325 million users. According to three people familiar with the matter, currently PayPal can be used as an alternative means for withdrawing funds from exchanges such as Coinbase. But this would be a first in terms of offering direct sales of crypto. Quote, my understanding is that they are going to allow buys and sells of crypto directly from PayPal and Venmo, a well-placed industry source told Coindesk. They're going to have some sort of built-in wallet functionality so that you can store it there. It is unclear which, uh, oh, sorry, hold on. It is unclear which or how many cryptocurrencies would be available. The industry source said they expected PayPal would be working with multiple exchanges to source liquidity. A second source confirmed that PayPal is looking to offer buying and selling of crypto and said the service 
could be expected in the next three months, maybe sooner. PayPal declined to comment on the plans. Probably a good idea. San Francisco-based crypto exchange Coinbase and Luxembourg-based Bitstamp were mentioned as likely contenders by the sources. Both Coinbase and Bitstamp declined to comment. It's worth noting that PayPal has a long-standing relationship with Coinbase going back to as early as 2016. In 2018, Coinbase made instant fiat withdrawals to PayPal available for United States customers. Last year, European Coinbase users could withdraw to their PayPal accounts, followed by users in Canada. Meanwhile, fintech apps that offer crypto are making money. Square, the payments unicorn launched by Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, rolled out Bitcoin purchases in its cash app in mid-2018. And Cash App reported $306 million in Bitcoin revenue in its most recent earnings report. London-based Revolut, which began offering crypto to users following a 2017 partnership with Bitstamp, raised $500 million in February, valuing the platform at $5.5 billion. Robinhood, the fintech app thought to be fueling the recent retail boom in equities day trading, first offered crypto in February of 2018. Crypto is increasingly seen as an obvious way to bolster user numbers on fintech apps and create new revenue streams. Indeed, PayPal CEO Don Schulman has made it clear his plan this year is to aggressively monetize Venmo, which has over 52 million accounts. Around the start of 2020, PayPal posted job openings to ramp up its new blockchain research group. PayPal posted eight engineering positions, four in San Jose and four in Singapore. Following PayPal's short-lived dalliance with the Facebook-led Libra project last year, the focus now is expanding its own payment expertise, one of the sources added. In an interview with Coindesk earlier this year, PayPal Chief Technology Officer Sri Shrivananda said the company wanted its own perspective and view on blockchain technology itself to see how it can help us contribute to the concept of creating an open digital payment platform that can serve everyone said he was unable to comment on any of paypal specific plans quote we are a strong believer in the potential of blockchain the digitization of currency is only a matter of when not if end quote and yes so you decided to stop fighting well that's good news maybe we can all like figure out a way to build a world that isn't just screwing everybody pretty much every single day all right compound I know it's a it's it's a complete shit show, but it is a thing. It is out there, and it is something that you're going to have to warn people against. So let's get into this one. This is Coin Telegraph's Andrey Shevchenko, and he's writing this one sometime yesterday. Compound reward farming results in sixfold increase of lending activity. Compound's controversial COMP reward scheme triggered a gold rush of yield arbitrage, sending its assets under management and prices to new heights. Hold that thought because shit changes real quick, okay? Hold that highest price thought. Just put it in your back pocket for now. A user reward scheme to distribute the new compound governance token, COMP, has resulted in a dramatic rise of the value locked in the decentralized finance protocol as traders sought to farm the token, as fans affectionately call the practice. According to data from DeFi Pulse, the compound protocol's total locked value soared from about $100 million to a high exceeding $600 million since June the 15th, the start of the comp token distribution. The comp reward scheme works by periodically depositing the tokens to all balances interacting with Compound. That doesn't even make any sense. This includes the protocol's lenders and, crucially, its borrowers as well. 
The sums involved are significant, with the protocol currently distributing 2,880 comp per day, worth about $668,000 as of press time. Over 4 million tokens are left to be distributed from an existing supply of just over 2.5 million. Meanwhile, the price of the token went on parabolic rise once it was revealed that compound investor Coinbase would list the shitcoin on its pro platform. Trading is due to be activated on June the 23rd, which is, was yesterday, and we'll, so we'll get into that shit in a second. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that didn't stop traders from raising its price to a maximum of $371, up from just $78 the day before the announcement. High issuance and high price, coupled with the way the record system is designed, led to the emergence of massive, quote, comp farming. Speculators were incentivized to both borrow and lend money from the protocol on a large scale, leveraging their positions by recursively lending the tokens that they borrowed. Oh, it's just sad terrible. The annual interest rate on some tokens on Compound like BAT and WBTC reached as much as 33 and 27% respectively as of press time. Generally, high interest rates are associated with high comp yield. The profit machine appears to be unwinding on Monday as comp price dropped to uh, 200. Wait a minute. No, it's like, yeah, as comp dropped to a price of 264 some high-profile commentators like my crypto CEO Taylor Monahan voiced their reservations about the scheme and the risks involved. Vitalik Buterin, co-founder of Ethereum, said, quote, interest rates significantly higher than when you can get in traditional finance are inherently either temporary arbitrage opportunities or come with unstated risks attached, end quote. Tony Shang, a crypto angel investor and former principal at Multicoin Capital, explained that the risk to farming involved either theft or col of collateral assets, liquidation due to market events, or the loss of the peg for synthetic assets like stablecoins. However, it's worth noting that these risks have always existed for Compound and many other platforms that are not related to the practice of yield arbitrage. The true risk seems to be for those who are buying the farmed comp as its price tumbled by almost 30% since its all-time high, sitting at $264 as of writing. It is likely that this will allow the yield bubble to deflate as mining comp will no longer be as lucrative. Okay. So yeah, they got into what it was that I, I wanted you to hold on to that, that maximum price of 371 because that son of a bitch fell like a freaking stone. And I'm looking over at, uh, where's my, yeah, I'm looking over at trading view and it's at a hundred, uh, comp USD is at 198 and a half dollars. And it's high was, and I'm looking on like, apparently TradingView does not have any more, uh, any more uh, data than like yesterday. Uh, so I'm looking at like the 23rd. Actually, no, it looks like, kind of looks like they've compiled all of the data that they could before the date of the 24th of June, which is today and put it into one great big solid red dildo that just came down from something like its top was $427 and a half dollars. And its bottom, the bottom of the wick was 228. And then it decided to start descending again today. And it is sitting at, like I said, $198 and a half. This is why I Bitcoin. This is why I do not shitcoin. This is why I tell people not to get into this stuff. It is, all this is, is something for you to lose your Bitcoin. 
That's all this is. So be aware that this comp thing is kind of a fad right now. And I don't know how long it's going to take to burn itself out, but it's already, if these numbers are correct, I guarantee you people have already lost millions of dollars. And that's just so very, very sad. Colin Harper's writing this one for decrypt.co sometime on the 18th. I know it's a little old, but only 19% of mined Bitcoins is being traded report claims. New research from chain analysis suggests that the majority of Bitcoin circulating supply is being held long-term by investors. <clears throat> I read you these stories so that you understand that not that most people in the space that hold Bitcoin are doing so in, in a fashion that uh, suggest that they kind of know what's going on, that, that we're not, you know, we're not going to get into this DeFi stuff. And it's just, we don't really want to lose our Bitcoin. So a fifth of Bitcoin's mined supply is actively traded while the rest of its circulating supply is being held long-term by investors, according to the latest reports from blockchain analytics firm Chainalysis. The company's data asserts that only 19% of all the Bitcoin mined to date is being moved around by traders, some 20% more. The firm said has been lost to dead end addresses and forgotten wallets, not to mention the six or seven figure BTC stash belonging to Bitcoin pseudonymous creator Satoshi Nakamoto. But as the rest of the circulating supply, some 60% has been held long term by Bitcoin's various market participants. Moreover, these entities, either people or businesses, have never sold more than 25% of the Bitcoin they've ever received and have often held on to that Bitcoin for many years. For the 3.5 million Bitcoin that is actively traded, 96% of this volume comes from so-called retail traders. As a result, the bulk of inflows, about 625,000, it doesn't, because okay, it's odd. As a result, the bulk of inflows, and it says in parentheses, over 625,000, to Bitcoin exchanges each week since 2018 occur in increments of $10 to $1,000, while another 125,000 transfers come in $1,000 to $10,000 lumps. Chain analysis compared this demographic with various traders, a distinction which would include institutional players, but not necessarily exclude retail whales who trade independent of the institution. Of the 340,000 weekly active Bitcoin traders, Chain analysis data identified the 4% of professional traders or entities. In this bunch, roughly 14,200 are responsible for 85% of all of the USD value of Bitcoin value sent to exchanges. Because of this, professional traders are the most significant contributors to large market movements, such as those seen during Bitcoin's dramatic price decline in March as the COVID-19 crisis intensified in North America, said the analytics firm. Quote, however... Professional traders are few in number, moving all that value in just 39,000 transfers per week on average in 2020. So, <clears throat> I don't know, man. It's, it's, we, people are always screaming how the market is manipulated. Although it would seem like you would need a bulk of Bitcoin to be manipulating the, the market. So, this is sort of kind of a demonstration of how odd pricing signals affect the mentality of the retail market. Um, it very few Bitcoin are being traded in, in comparison to the total supply. And yet it seems to be the only thing moving the market, which kind of makes sense because it's the only thing flashing price signal. If nothing's flashing price signal, well, then we have absolutely no way of knowing what the value is. So as much as I, I do not like trading, I do not trade myself. I I express my disdain 
for trading, it does seem to, well, help us, you know, get signaling on pricing as much as I don't like, don't like that situation. Okay. I'm not even going to do the music right now because I got, I got all kinds of stuff that I got to prep for, for, uh, going to Colorado. So I'm just going to get right on into vital statistics. Everything is down as far as the funny money is concerned. S&P 500 is down 3%. And let me just, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm reading this right. So I'm going to refresh my screen. Yes. Uh, S&P 500 is down 3%. NASDAQ is down two and three quarters. Dow Jones is down three. The FTSE is down three. Nikkei and Hang Seng, eh, they're down, but not by very much. And then let's see, Shanghai index is up a third of a percent. All the bond prices are down except for the Japan 10-year bond. Um, I, its increase in yield is probably, I don't know, not, it doesn't even look like it's margin of error worthy. Uh, commodities, uh, oil took a big old hit, 6.34% down to the downside. Its last was 37.81. Natural gas took a hit on for about a third of a percent. Its last was $1.63 for 1,000 cubic feet gas. I think, I think I'm pretty sure it's a, a thousand cubic feet of gas. Uh, anyway, let's actually talk about real money. Bitcoin is at 9,323. I got a high over at X rates at 9,331. And my low is going to be at Bitstamp at 9,282. 326,000 transactions were sent in the last 24 hours, giving us about 13,500 transactions on average per hour. With three, I'm sorry, 1.3 million BTC being sent in that period, 56 point or 56.2 thousand BTC are being sent on average per hour, with the average transaction value being 4.13 BTC, and the median transaction value still damn high, man, 0.053 BTC. That's almost 500 bucks. And normally, I like. It's not that I like seeing 300. It was just that 300 was sort of where I always thought was kind of like nominal and yet over the last few days that i've been reporting this the median transaction value has grown substantially uh, i mean substantially block times 15 seconds low nine minutes and 44 seconds we have 0.3 btc being taken in fees on a per block basis and damn near 50 btc being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours my god almighty 7.65% rise in the hash rate. We are damn near, we are just a hair under 120 exahashes per second. And the last time a GitHub commit was done to the Bitcoin core repository was sometime yesterday. Ethereum at 235, Bcash at 233, BSV at 172, Litecoin at 42 and a three quarters, uh, Ethereum Classic at six and a quarter, Dogecoin took a hit 0.0024. And yet, with 44,000 transactions the last 24 hours, it's bitch slapping Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and knocking the living shit out of Bcash, who is now under 13,000 transactions in a 24-hour period. 12,447. Screw those guys. I'm going to look at Clark Moody Bitcoin's uh, mempool. Uh, he's showing 8,974 transactions waiting to be cleared in his mempool. That is 17, about 18 megabytes, which will take 18 blocks to clear. Total capacity of the Lightning Network is 951. That gives us $8.7 million in liquidity across 7,248 nodes, representing 36,500 channels. 
Tor capacity has risen yet again, 435.3 BTC are in the Tor part of the Lightning Network. And that means that the percentage capacity of Tor Network for Lightning is 45.8%. And which is weird because it looks like we might have lost a few Tor nodes. We're sitting at 2000 zero and, or sorry, 2,099 Tor nodes. All right, that's going to do it for vitals. And I'm going to like get right on into the second part of the snooze that you can use. It's the alleged crypto Ponzi plus token withdraws 67 million in EOS. Bag holders beware. Liam Frost writing this one for decrypt.co sometime on June the 22nd. A wallet apparently belonging to plus token an alleged alleged crypto Ponzi scheme has withdrawn over 26 million EOS tokens which is about $67 million from its wallet. According to Whale Alert, as Decrypt reported previously, Plus Token was accused of snatching up to $3 billion from its users last July. At the time, Chinese media reported that if the allegations were true, it would make Plus Token the biggest crypto Ponzi scheme to date. Currently, it is unclear where or to whom exactly 26 million EOS were sent, since the receiving wallet is marked as unknown. If Plus Token's organizers were to cash out, it could have significant impact on the cryptocurrency market or the price of EOS at least. Last December, Plus Token transferred over $105 million in Ethereum, similarly raising concern in regard to potential dumping and a subsequent crash of the ETH price. A report by blockchain tracking firm Chainalysis suggested that sell-offs of $185 million in Bitcoin by Plus Token could also have been responsible for depressing the price of Bitcoin at the time. Kim Grauer, a senior economist at Chainalysis, said that Plus Token could be at least partially responsible for continued downward pressure on the crypto market. Quote, that's certainly something to consider when you, you were thinking about where the price is going, at least in the short term, she noted. At the time of writing, it looks like the movement of Plus Token's funds has not affected the price of EOS. The token is up 0.35% on the day, trading around $2.54, according to CoinMarketCap. Who cares? It's a shitcoin. The fact that this type of thing happens, ah, man, God, plus token moving around, uh, moving around any kind of coins is, I hate those guys. I really do. I don't know how they sleep. And, and this guy, <clears throat> apparently the CEO is being sought after by the police or the CEO of Wirecard is being sought by police or is either in custody but this particular uh, Colin Harper piece for Decrypt.co was written back on June the 18th. I saw something about the CEO being sought today. I cannot find that, that news story right now, but I got to get this shit done. Um, so company behind crypto debit card is missing $2 billion. That's a billion with a B. German fintech company Wirecard is in a $2 billion hole. Its auditor, Ernst & Young, has informed the company that one of the trustees for its many bank accounts reported a spurious balance to mislead the auditor regarding the company's true cash balances, according to a press release. Ernst & Young's Munich arm could find, quote, no sufficient audit evidence of cash balances on trust accounts in the amount of 1.9 billion euros, about $2 billion U.S., the, price re uh, the press release stated, or trustee of Wirecard, according to Ernst & Young, attempted, quote, to deceive the auditor and create a wrong perception of the existence of these cash balances and or the holding of fake accounts for the benefit of Wirecard group companies. The missing billions represent approximately a quarter of the consolidated balance sheet for the company. Wirecard, which operates the Crypto.com and 10x cryptocurrency debit cards, among other services, will not be releasing their financial statement 
as scheduled on June the 18th because of the discrepancy and potential fraud. If certified, annual and consolidated financial statements cannot be made available until June 19th, 2020. Loans made to Wirecard AG amounting to approximately $2 billion can be terminated, the release stated. Wirecard stock continued to plunge on the news, down 60% for the day. Wirecard operates various payment services in addition to its cryptocurrency debit cards, and it's unclear where the financial hole has surfaced across its accounts. Crypto.com CEO Chris Marzalek said on CEO that all of the Crypto.com's debit cards are fully pre-funded and held by an electronic money institution regulated by the UK FCA and segregated client accounts. In other words, the accounts for these debit cards are held by an EMI, which acts like a payment processor or a digital money custodian that is not fully recognized as a bank under EU regulations. Marzalek, I guess that's how you pronounce it, emphasized that with regard to cryptocurrency, Wirecard does not have custody of any crypto held by Crypto.com. So now that I got his name, I just want to search for something here. Uh, News. Hold on for a second. Uh, okay. This is, okay. This is the block crypto. I'm not going to read the whole, the whole thing, but it was written by Yogita Khatri on June the 18th. And the, the, uh, uh, the, the headline, sorry, the headline is popular crypto debit card issuer. Wirecard is enabled to locate 2 billion worth of cash. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I dude, I totally hosed you guys on that. That's not what I thought it was. Somewhere there's a story about they're they're looking. Oh, there we go. Former Wirecard Marcus Braun has been arrested. Now this was uh, this is also Yogita Katri, but she's writing this one or this one's coming out. Oh, it's being released in Yahoo Finance, but is still written by the Block. It is June 23rd, so this was yesterday. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You you don't need to know anything other than that Marcus Braun, the former CEO of troubled payment processor Wirecard has been arrested in Germany. So looks like they caught their guy. I don't know. The whole, again, this space is very dangerous. It's a very dangerous space right now. It's sort of like all the people like in the gold rush in the, you know, American Southwest, you know, way back in the 1800s, they're running out to California because there be gold in them thar hills. Um, I, I just can't imagine the chicanery that went on because all you really hear about is that they went out in search of gold and some people got rich. But what you don't hear about is all the scams that were most likely pulled. Like I will, I, I'm going to, you, you give me your money and I will uh, have a covered wagon, bring out 40 shovels to your guys in the mountains uh, tomorrow and just never did that kind of thing. See, cause this is like, this is just human nature. Uh, why I don't know, but it is. Okay, coming on here, Matthew DeSalvo is writing this one on June the 21st for Decrypt.co. Cash is king. U.S. citizens putting more money in banks than ever. (laughs) Uh, Banks have more cash than ever before, largely due to the coronavirus pandemic figures from the Federal Reserve show. Deposits have never been so high, growing by $865 billion in April alone, CNBC reported. Deposits in total have increased by $2 trillion since January after record amounts of cash were pumped into U.S. bank accounts to help with COVID-19 chaos. Money in bank accounts now stand at a whopping $15.4 trillion. That's trillion with a T, June figures show. The flood of money is due to the United States government doling out trillions of dollars to help its citizens with the economic hardships 
brought on by COVID-19 lockdowns, an ultimate bond, or sorry, an unlimited bond buying program by the Federal Reserve and people hoarding money because of uncertain times. That money is sitting in bank accounts. The biggest U.S. bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Bank of America and Citigroup, have experienced astronomical growth, CNBC reported, but there is such a surplus of cash that banks don't quite know what to do with it. The, the seemingly endless supply of cash globally, not just in the U.S., could lead to a crash in the price of the dollar. U.S. economist Stephen Roach recently predicted that. Others have said that the constant money printing could benefit Bitcoin. Huge growth in central bank easing and government debt could lead people to invest in alternative assets such as the world's biggest cryptocurrency. Proponents of the safe haven theory believe that Bitcoin is uncorrelated with global markets, including the United States dollar, and is a safe bet in times of tough markets. Though Bitcoin crashed in the middle of March along with global markets, it has since bounced back, and it did so well before the stock market recovered, if that's what you can call it. With money being handed out like never before and people hedging their bets on other assets due to inflation possibly being just around the corner, uh, more eyes might start to shift towards cryptocurrency. Could this be Bitcoin's moment? Please stop talking about Bitcoin's moment. I've talked about this shit before. This, this is just straight up pissing me off. Okay. Bitcoin's moment is every 10 minutes. More or less. I know I get it right now. It's at like nine minutes and 44 seconds per block. But it's every block that's minted. That's Bitcoin's moment. And honestly, Bitcoin's moment is all of them together. All, all of the moments. Ever since its inception to the next block that's going to be minted has always been Bitcoin's moment because no matter what has happened in the financial markets, no matter what kind of so, you know, economic, political, whatever news has, has hit, Bitcoin still produces blocks every 10 minutes. Every, well, okay, more or less. Yeah, I get it. But every block that's minted is always Bitcoin's moment. Stop talking about, is this the day? No, it's not the day. The day is every day as it, as it powers through, a, you know, a hundred blocks or so. So just stop it. New Zealand authorities seize $90 million from alleged Bitcoin launderer Alexander Vinnick. New Zealand police have recovered $90 million in assets reportedly belonging to the alleged $4 billion launderer. <clears throat> New Zealand police have recovered... Oh, sorry. Oh, read that already. According to Jared Savage at the New Zealand Herald, the police asset recovery unit have frozen roughly $140 million New Zealand dollars controlled by a company in connection with the investigation of Vinnick or connection to the investigation of Vinnick. Police Commissioner Andrew Costner told the publication that local authorities had been coordinated with the United States IRS service to address the lost funds. The money recovered is likely to reflect the profit gain from the victimization of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people globally as a result of cybercrime and organized crime. According to Coster, Vinnick was accused of laundering 300,000 BTC or $4 billion over the course of six years through BTCE, one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges at the time. Some of the ill-gotten funds may have been, uh, may have even come from the infamous hack of Japan-based crypto exchange Mt. Gox. The Russian national, known as Mr. Bitcoin, was arrested during a vacation in Greece in 2017 and extradited to France earlier this year. As of press time, Vinnick is still in France awaiting charges of money laundering, extortion, and conspiracy, but could be extradited to the United States or his native Russia. Jeez, which one would you want to go to? 
to be extradited to. Good Lord have mercy. Yeah, so there you go. At this point, you are kind of caught up. There's obviously, uh, there's, you know, news coming out today that I'm not going to be able to cover. Yes, this show is going to be short. My apologies, but this is just the way it's going to be start working out. So the whole show is going to be damn choppy uh, for the next three weeks. I ask you to just stay with me as I go through whatever it is that I've got to go through here. Um, I do appreciate you sticking with me for this long. I ask you to stick with me for just a little bit longer, but dude, I have, if I don't get to the mountains, they're going to find me some, they're going to find me like as just a, a blithering idiot in fetal position on the floor. I I'm dead serious, man. I'm dead serious. If I don't get to the mountains, it's going to be exactly. So with all that said, as I told you earlier, I need to get to the other side of all the shit that I'm getting, need to get to the other side of. And if you're finding yourself in a situation where, you know, you start looking around going, man, something's wrong or I don't feel good or whatever, then this, maybe this is the chance for you to go through this shit too. If you don't have to go through it, then, you know, by, by all means, don't. If your life is perfect and everything is like above board, then good for you, man. But there are, other people in the world where things are not so set, you know, things are not so nice. Things are not so great. They're not horrible, but they're not so great. And they could be better. This is, you know, I'm going to spend the next three weeks getting better. So even if that means reading, God forbid, a Stephen Covey book, <laughs> I know, man, it's kind of bad. I mean, it's like when it's one of those things where you're like going, ah, oh, I just promised myself I would never do that. But you know, Maybe it's time to, you know, uh, to go ahead and read some of those things. Who knows? There, there's probably 5,000 13-point plans to better your life that's out there. And I don't know. I kind of regard them as shit coins, honestly. And that's why I don't get into that kind of stuff. Because I'm like, I don't know this dude from Adam. I don't know if he's filling my mind full of shit or not. But so, short shows, intermittent shows. My apologies for the for the future of the next three and a half weeks, but it's what I have to do. I'll see you on the next time. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.